This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a Turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined for the latest news and to get into the weekend mailbag with the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, what's going on, man? Uh, not too much. Got a little bit of football news today. Getting closer and closer to uh, you know having actual football news and getting to watch players actually run around on football fields. So that's good. One of those guys that may be running around on the football field, but it won't be for the Jets, is Rashard Robinson. Mike McCagnan used the fifth rounder to trade for him a couple of years ago, but the cornerback disappointed. Flashed some talent here and there, but just never got it together, and today he gets released. Yeah, you know, uh, the Rashard Robinson experiment, his time here ends. Uh, he just was never able to do anything to you know, really create a foothold on this team to give anybody a reason why he should stay. He had, you know, some off-the-field issues too, but really he just couldn't contribute enough on the field. And, you know, it was just a fifth-round pick, so it, it's hard to get too upset at McCagnin for it, but that's definitely not going to go in the pro column of his uh, trade successes uh, from, his, from his Jets career here. More than likely not, although he did make a trade during the draft that led to an extra draft pick that we'll talk about in a bit because today at Florham Park, all of the rookies were made available with the exception of Chuma Adoga. Everybody talked to you guys after rookie orientation, so we're going to get to what the players had to say. But first, this was also the first opportunity that the Jets beat has had to question Adam Gase after all the rumors came out about the turmoil and obviously after the draft and the draft picks. So... He seemed to not be all that thrilled to have to do that today. Watched a little bit of this, and you were there live, so you can take us through it. He said that this, quote, pisses him off. Didn't deny it, so you can take that for what it's worth, but he didn't seem pleased about it. And then he had, obviously, some words about Sam Darnold, some of the draft picks, and everything else that's going on around the team. So unpack everything as somebody that was in the room during the questioning. Yeah, you know, he he wasn't grilled about it. He was asked about it. He definitely you know tried to take a hard stance and talk about how it really pissed him off was his exact word it kind of pisses me off a little bit and uh then he kind of got into his semantics bag uh you know talking about how they have discussions on everything and the disagreement's good if everybody just agreed on everything it would be boring and cool yeah that's all true and and obviously disagreements happen and the most functional of every type of relationship you can think of. But that's not the case here. That We're not talking about minor disagreements here. We are talking about actual tension, about people thinking that he is actually starting to do, and I'm going to say this, a longer term of a power play here. This isn't something that he's not, he was never trying to push McCagnin out right away wasn't calling for his job right away, but there's some tension bubbling up. Christopher Johnson was spending more time around to monitor the relationship and what was going on in and out of the building. That's not happening for no reason. He didn't just randomly decide to do that. Uh, since uh, you know we had the draft and everything before uh, today happened, I had talked to some people inside the Jets building Jet sources that have confirmed there is tension there. There's 
there is a lot of truth to these rumors. Again, it's not saying that he's going to try to get McCagnan fired now. McCagnan is no danger of his job losing now. It's just something to keep an eye on, particularly if this season doesn't go very well for the Jets. If this season goes great, if if they make the playoffs, I don't think he'll, he'll be able to do anything then. And I think he's probably smart enough to know that he won't be pushing the power play too hard at that point because they will be having, you know, coming off a successful season. But there's something here, and he can do the whole deflecting thing by trying to act really mad about it. But really, he was mad that it got out. He said that, you know, unless I say it, it's really irrelevant to me. Okay, cool. That, that's great. You can say that. But that's not how the world works. <laughs> like, other people can know stuff. You don't have to say it. And for the people I know, there's obviously, I've been staying off Twitter, but I know there's a segment of Jets fans that are still clinging to this idea that it's all made up and uh, whatever. What would you expect him to say? Did you really think that if, if it was true that he was going to say, yes, it's true, there's tension? No, this is the lying business that coaches, GMs, they all lie to us in the media all the time. This happens. So, there's truth here. I don't expect it. The, the the rough part, at least for this season, is over with. They got through the you know the choppy waters here because it, there's not going to be too many different uh, player acquisition and moves for McCagnin to make. He's going to let Gaze handle most of the roster structuring and this and that. So the choppy waters, they're past that for this year. Got to wait and see how the season plays out and, and we'll go from there. But this is something to keep an eye on for the future. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Listen carefully to the words that Adam Gase said. He said this stuff pisses him off. He doesn't read these things. He never flat out said that it wasn't true. He went on and talked about how not every coach and general manager sees eye to eye on every single thing. There's going to be disagreements. What Chris is saying is there's a reason why these reports were circulating. They'd been known around the league for quite a while. Chris and Rich Semini are two people that are very trusted reporters on the Jets beat. They both talked about this. 
They didn't say that Mike McCagnan was going to be fired, and I think that's the only part of this that people look at and say, whoa, they said Mike McCagnan was going to be fired, so this whole story isn't true. No, because that was what one report said, but all the subsequent reports said, yes, all of the other stuff is true, but McCagnan's not going to get fired right now, but it is part of a longer-term power play. So again, Adam Gase can say what he wants to, and he can be the big angry, I'm just here to win football games and screw you press. I don't really care how he treats the press if he wins games. It's not really the point. Nor but, do I. <laughs> yeah, and it's not really the point, but the bottom line is there is something going on here. He didn't deny it for a reason, and the whole I'm angry at everybody for reporting it bit may work well with a certain segment of fans, but that same certain segment of fans is going to turn on him hard if he doesn't win football games. So for now, he can do the whole I'm giving it to the press routine, but once we get into the season, he better put up or shut up. And like I said, I really don't care at all if he hurts the press's feelings. It's not about that. It's the fact that the main elements of this story absolutely have some truth to it. There's no doubt about it, and that's why he went out of his way to walk around it and just say how mad he is that he has to talk about it, essentially. But it wasn't the only thing that he had to talk about, Chris. He had to talk about a couple of other things, including young Sam Darnold. So why don't you unpack the rest of what Adam Gase had to say during this presser? Yeah, well, the one thing, you know, he talked about this a little bit before, but, you know, the Le'Veon Bell and not being around for voluntary camps, he talked about again. And he made very good points on this. This is what Le'Veon Bell does, and he's never not been ready for a season. This isn't a holdout situation. He doesn't show up for these things. He never has. He, it, when he's happy with his contract, he does on his own schedule. He works out and he trains on his own. And that's he said. If anybody has a problem with it, then take it up with the NFLPA. And take like that's what you have to do. That's how the rules are written. And he's more comfortable spending this time training, uh, you know, on his own. He was in the building yesterday. We'll talk about this uh, a little bit later. We're talking about Quinnen Williams, but Quinnen Williams saw Le'Veon Bell yesterday. So it's not like they don't know where he is. They can't get in contact with him. It's not a big deal. He's not concerned about it. And he's going to be ready when they need him to be ready. It's that simple. So I'm sure there's still people freaking out about that and still wanting to slam him for that. But that's pretty much over and done with. With Sam Darnold, he gushed about Sam Darnold more. And you could see it and you could hear it and feel it in his voice about how excited he is about the ability to coach this kid, to coach a 21-year-old kid right now with all this talent. And he talked about, you know, how he watched him maneuver around the building, how he watches his relationships with other people in the building, the way he carries himself. And then he just went on to talk about just watching him just throw the football and just talk about how great it is, how beautiful it is just watch him throw. You can really sense and see how excited he is to coach him. I will say this, though. There was, it was funny last year, uh, you know, last year, the, the end of the season before that, we were all making jokes about how Todd Bowles' demeanor and personality had changed. And he had a kind of dead man walking vibe. And then at the beginning of last year, mini camps and training camp, he turned into this a, a different person, all giddy and excited. And that was largely due to Sam Darnold's presence. He felt that like he got a second life there with him. It didn't work out for Bowles, but 
Gase has that same giddiness and excitement about Sam Darnold and his ability to coach him and just how you could tell he's like, yes, I can't believe this 21-year-old kid that's this much of a finished product with this much talent is right here for me to mold. And if I can do it right, then I'm going to get all this credit for it. And you can just see it and sense it from him. And it it was definitely palpable. And it was definitely uh, a pleasure and enjoyment to watch. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Just circling back to Le'Veon Bell for a second, Bart Scott really laid this out on WFAN the other day, talking about when he was an undrafted free agent with the Baltimore Ravens, how many times he saw Peter Bulware and Chris McAllister and Ray Lewis and Ed Reed at off-season conditioning and voluntary workouts. The answer was never. That's just how these things go. For all the Steelers fans that are all upset and trying to rub it in on the Jets like this means anything, Ben Roethlisberger last year skipped these workouts to go on a family vacation because he's big Ben Roethlisberger and he can. He doesn't need to prove himself. That's what these guys do. Brady, Gronk, those guys never there. Okay, you could go down the line. Troy Palomalu, if you want to go back to the Steelers, notorious for never showing up. Guys at this level don't go because they don't have to. And he's shown on his Instagram over and over again the level of workouts that he's putting himself through. It's not like he's putting out videos where he's drinking beers and going out and partying till 3 o'clock in the morning and not putting in the work. Then maybe we would say, well, he's not showing up and he's putting up these weird videos that are making him look bad. I might be a little concerned. No, he's a guy that's a multi-time all-pro. He's been through this. He's a big enough star that he doesn't have to concern himself with being there. He can work on his own personal regimen, which he's talked about before, and which all the players that I just listed worry about. They don't worry about being at these voluntary practices. That's just the way it is. And as Adam Gase said, if you got a problem with it, take it up with the NFLPA. But these players never have any problems performing, so I don't know why anybody is upset whatsoever about Le'Veon Bell unless they're just trying to make a story out of this because they need something to run with right now because the news is a little slow. But Chris, you guys did get a little bit of news beyond Gase's quotes about Le'Veon Bell and about Sam Darnold and, of course, about the reported strife with Mike McCagnin. This was your first opportunity to talk to the rookies all of them except for Chuma Adoga. So talk to me a little bit about what you heard from these guys, especially Quentin Williams, who seemed like a kid at a candy store. I mean, do we have an, about 12 years for me to just gush about Quentin Williams? Because <laughs> I could do it. I could talk for about 12 years straight just about th- about this kid. Listen, he came into the room and just lit the room up the second his he turned through that doorway. He had this Big old smile on his face, this uh, that young baby face, braces shining and showing for all of us to see, and he's just laughing and giggling as he's walking up there. He, and you could see on his face, he was just like, "These people are here for me. This is cool. Let's do this." And uh, I, I was listening back 
uh, to you know the recording, and I, I had put my recorder up there. He, you can hear him walk up there, and then before everybody's uh, gets a chance to ask a question you can just hear him kind of like chuckling to himself and just like giggling to himself he's just like yeah this is pretty cool and uh he has such an infectious personality he's a big giant kid man he's just i can't imagine this kid not having fun doing anything and he was just every question asked of him it was just like oh shucks man this is awesome and he talked about, you know, Leonard Williams and uh, what a fan he was. And he's just like, yeah, I'm just like, I'm like, I, I saw Lev Bell and he's just like, oh my God, we got the best running back in the league. And he's talking about Jamal Adams. Hey, Jamal Adams on my ultimate team for Mad. He's like, I'm playing him at cornerback. He's my number one cornerback. And he's just like <laughs> this little kid just filled with joy, just like exploding from him. And I'm just like, man, can I just clone him? and just have like him just follow me around so uh, every time like you know life gets a little annoying he can just be that guy can just be sitting there with his big smile on his face just laughing and joking about everything it's just this kid i mean we've talked a lot about you know him as a football player and how if the fans are going to grow to love him as a football player his ability to, to rush the passer gase talked about that too gase made a very pointed point to talk about his ability as a pass rusher, not just as an inside uh, defensive lineman. You're gonna, fans are gonna love him on there. But his, this kid, his personality off off the field, fans are gonna absolutely fall in love with this kid. He was just a pleasure and a delight to just listen to and watch. I'm gonna have so much fun covering him. It's it's insane. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hoopin' with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hoopin' with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. The funniest line I heard about Quinn and Williams was my buddy Jason Love, who described Quinn and Williams as a really over-the-top friendly version of Charles Barkley. Yeah, yeah, that that, that works. <laughs> that makes sense. I can, I can see it. And, uh, yeah, he's like he's just a kid in a candy store, man. I, I, I can't imagine that kid being upset about it. Like, oh, man, it, it was really fun to just watch and just listen to him. What about the rest of the draft picks? Take me through Ja'Kai Polite, Blessing Austin, Blake Cashman, and, of course, Trevon Wesco. All right, I will start with uh, Ja'Kai Polite. He came out and, you know, he did confirm that there was probably uh, there was something to his uh, immaturity issues, whatever you want to call it. He didn't go into detail about it, but he said, you know, since he's grown from him, he's learned from him. He's kind of had his eyes opened up to what he was doing wrong. And he, he was pressed about it. He was just, you know, there was some maturity issues, which, again, 21-year-old kid, we, we this, uh, pick apart these kids' maturity way too much. And I know that, you know, it, a 21-year-old kid has, going into the NFL does have to be more mature than just a 21-year-old kid, you know, not going into the NFL. 
but he's got plenty of room to grow there. He talked about, you know, he went to the same high school as Leonard Williams. Uh, he was in eighth grade when Leonard graduated. So he got to watch Leonard Williams there. He's got, you know, obviously Marcus May and Brian Poole. He has somewhat of a relationship from going to the same school there. He talked about just wanting to lean on, you know, the veterans and learn from them. Same with Quinnen Williams. Quinnen Williams, too. He's talked about wants to play for 10 to 14 years, and he's going to lean on all those guys. But Ja'Kai Polite, again, he he did confirm that there was some stuff there. It's It wasn't just, you know, he wasn't mad about the scout, that being reported. He understands it. He says he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because he does feel like he was a more talented player than where he got drafted. But he understands, and he's ready to – to prove everybody wrong and to show everybody that he's worth it and that he can be as great as he knows he can be and to live up to that Twitter handle of his and actually retire his mom. He was asked about that and was, you could see he really wants to just take care of his mom and support his mom. And just that, that motivation and that drive behind him should be enough to carry him through there. He, you know, he talked about his, his uh, favorite player to grow up watching, uh, from the outside uh, linebacker position was Dwight, uh, Dwight Freeney. He's, he hasn't mastered Dwight Freeney's spin move quite yet. He said he's not nearly on that level, but he would like to work up to there one day. Uh, with Bless on Austin, I mean, the, he was next up to talk. And let me tell you, I don't know, uh, you know, how well he'll do on the field. I don't know about his injury history or anything like that. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. I, I obviously know the medical history, but I don't know how his chances of bouncing back, reoccurring the injury, anything like that. But this kid is a believer in himself. He is ultra confident and listening to him talk. I'm not going to tell him he's wrong. He he believes it. He sold me. I believe it, too. I, it's going to take a little while. But, you know, this kid, from all the reports, everything said, he is a super talented kid. It's the injuries that have been holding him back. But he does not lack confidence at all. He is happy to be here, to be so close to home, uh, to have all that. And he's determined to work out and to rehab and get better and better. And just he he's talked about studying bigger corners because he's a bigger guy. He's got longer arms. Uh, Richard Sherman, Patrick Peterson. He said he did make a point to say the only shorter, smaller cornerback I studied was Darrell Revis. He talked about Darrell's consistency and just his technique and the strength he had. So he he did focus on that. But this kid is incredibly confident. And like I said, listening to him, I'm not going to tell him he's wrong. Uh, Blake Cashman came out. He talked. He you know he. He was a, a little bit less of a character than than Quinn and Williams, and uh, and what was didn't come out with the same over the top uber confidence as uh, confidence as Blesson, but he came out. He talked a little bit, nothing too much, but he's mostly focused. A lot of the questions focused on him as a special teamer. He knows he seems to understand that going into year one, fifth round draft pick, he's got to make his. Uh, you know, he's going to make his mark with special teams. That's how he's going to cement his spot on the roster. But he's, you know, fundamentally sound. He talked about 
his athletic ability, how he can move up and down the field. So he's a player to watch out for, but he seems to know and understand that he's got to make his, uh, you know, his tremendous spot here with going with special teams. And I've been watching rewatching Justified a little bit. So Trayvon <laughs> Westfield West got up to talk. And I know it's West Virginia. It's next next state over. But I heard some of that, that uh, Raylan Givens, Kentucky twang in there. Some, I, I heard some of that. It was just funny listening to them start talking. And I was like, huh, where, where do I? Ah, uh, yeah, then rewatching Justified. He, he came out. You know, he talked about being a blocking tight end, how they were, used him as a blocking tight end, and also about how he knew going to West Virginia that they don't, that's not really the best place for a tight end to go. They don't really make the most out of their tight ends at West Virginia. They don't really showcase their tight ends, but that was his dream school. He grew up in Martinsburg, West Virginia, I believe, which is a Northeastern part, uh, but he grew up in West Virginia and West Virginia university is where he really wanted to go. And he went in there knowing that that probably wasn't going to be the best spot to maximize his potential as a tight end, but that was his dream school. That's where he wanted to go. So he went there and he talked about his blocking. He thinks he can, he definitely has the talent and ability to be more of a receiver. Gase talked about that too. Gase talked about uh, using, watching him they didn't see a lot of it because he didn't use it but when he did they saw it and it popped out to them so he's he's excited for that but right now he's ready to come in and be that blocking tight end to be that inline tight end and to play his part in there and use that kentucky west virginia's twang to do it all while he's doing it this is the overtime podcast network all i can think of when you're describing this is Hello, Raylan. <laughs> yes, yes, just just like that. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was just sitting there listening to it, and it took me a couple of sentences, and I was just like, oh, man, he's hanging out with Boyd Crowder. I want you to hide that dope. Where? I don't know. And I don't want to know it's going to be my insurance. Insurance for what? For walking out of that hotel room. Crossboard, if you're that worried about walking out, why even walk in? Because procrastination has never been a part of my nature. Yeah, they're like, it, it, it was definitely recognizable. It's a little bit different. There's a little distinction there. Again, he grew up more northeast, so it's a little away from Kentucky, but but there's a lot of similarities in that twang. And I, I always get a kick out of accents, especially southern accents. They all, I don't know why, but I, I, they delight me for some reason. Fire in the hole. Yes. <laughs> Anybody that hasn't seen Justified yet, go ahead and binge watch it. Do yourself a favor, especially since it's the off season now and you've got time because you're not spending all these hours watching football. One of my all-time favorite shows. So many great storylines and the actors are incredible. Everybody from the aforementioned Mr. Boyd Crowder, a.k.a. Walton Goggins, Timothy Oliphant, who played Raylan Givens, the main character, Nick Searcy, who I loved as Chief Deputy U.S. Marshal Art Mullen, Joel Carter as Ava Crowder, who, by the way, is oof, a 10 out of 10, not to mention Jacob Pitts, who was great as that understated, quiet, but deadly ranger, Marshal Tim Gutterson. And I really liked Erica Tazel a lot. I had a crush on her a little bit, but she really did a great job also in that secondary role. A lot of times it was a lot about the tension between Raylan and Art or Raylan and Boyd. 
but it was just a tremendous show. Lots of great action, clever storylines. If you haven't watched it yet, you really should. And I think at some point, Chris and I are going to probably stick a few more minutes of Justified Talk on one of these Q&A podcasts down the line. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for that. Like I said, I tore through season one, halfway through season two already, and as much as I knew it was a great show, I'm like, oh, man, I forgot how great it was. It is just such a great show, so fun and entertaining. And, yeah, I mean, I can't say enough good words about this show. Three more people that I completely forgot, and I can't believe I did because they were such key characters. Caitlin Deaver as Lorena McCready. And, by the way, if you watched that show with Tim Allen, Last Man Standing, she plays his youngest daughter. But that was her first breakout role, and she was tremendous in that also, one of my all-time favorite devious characters on one of these drama shows, Jerry Burns is Win Duffy. Just tremendous yes. stuff. And, of course, Mags Bennett, who is Margot Martindale, she was terrific, too. And, in fact, she was in The Americans afterwards. It yep. was fantastic in that, too. So, again, if you haven't watched Justified, you really should go ahead and do that, especially since I'm sure at some point Chris and I are going to reference it much more on this podcast. But, Chris, as we reference guys with that Kentucky or, in this case, West Virginia twang, We'll talk about Wesco because he's one of the three that actually has signed. Wesco, Austin, and Cashman have all signed their rookie deals. The other three, Polite, Williams, and Adoga, have not yet. That's fairly commonplace, right? It's not anything to get worried about? Yeah, not at all. I, I have seen reports of you know teams getting all their players signed a little earlier than normal this year. That seems to be happening. But this is not nothing to concern about. Uh, be concerned about now at this point. There, they'll get it done. There's really with again. We, we go over this every year. We went over it last year with with Sam Darnold. Obviously, um, that was you know some of the offset language that they were worried about. But for the most part, with these contracts under the new CBA. There's not a lot of wiggle room. The only real wiggle room is in how much of a bonus you're going to get, uh, how much of that's going to be paid up front, and uh, or how much will just be part of your guaranteed salary there. So there's not a lot of wiggle room. You are pretty much locked into a contract that determined by where you're drafted. There's not a lot of negotiation to do there. So some teams like to get it done super quick. The Jets obviously aren't that one of those teams right now. And especially with no rookie camp this year, they're not even practicing out on the field or anything. There's no huge rush. There's nothing to be concerned about right now. You know what, Chris? There was so much news, and I wasn't expecting this because of the rookie orientation and, of course, because of what went on with Adam Gase that we're going to have to save the mailbag portion of this podcast for tomorrow because there really was a lot more news than I was expecting. I thought we were going to do a quick couple of minutes. Ends up being an entire show. So, Chris, we will address the mailbag questions tomorrow. In the meantime, before you go, why don't you tell everybody how they can interact with a very big deal on Twitter and, of course, how they can read your very big deal work at JetsInsider.com. Well, you can find me on Twitter at CNimbly and at JetsInsider. You're probably not going to find me on it too much around this time of year, but I will be back once, definitely by mini camps and training camp. I will be back on there. I am taking a little bit of a Twitter hiatus because it's a little bit too much of a hellscape for me right about now. I'm just trying <laughs> to take a take a break from all of it and decompress a little bit, enjoy this this uh, relaxed time of the year. But once OTAs and training camps start up and the season's up, I will be on there. I will be more than happy to answer any questions. And, of course, you can find the work at JetsInsider.com. 
And uh, yeah, so we'll have plenty of stuff coming up in the next couple of days, and then obviously the good stuff around mini camps. I have it on good authority, though, that you might be able to lure Chris onto Twitter if you start a good discussion about Justified. So you could give it a shot; it might work. Yeah, Justified uh, can could probably get me there. They can probably draw me in for a little bit. <laughs> Try and get a justified conversation going and get Chris on Twitter where you can follow him at CNimbly. You can also read his work at JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.